Great. Well, my name's uh, John C. It's great to welcome you. Um, if you're in Globe Minis, um, you're going to head out now to your group. Um, Globe Minis are heading out that direction. Well done. Um, and if you're not in Globe Minis, then we're staying here. And um, we're going to read a part of the Bible together. Uh, and it's a part of the Bible called Malachi. Now, let me just say, there are probably a bunch of people in church this afternoon who maybe have never been in church this afternoon and almost certainly have never been in this church this afternoon. Um, so if that's you, and particularly if you've never been in church before, and perhaps you're not a Christian, and you've come because you wanted to support one of your friends, I want to say to you, it's so good you're here. Thank you for coming. And what I'm going to try and do just for a few minutes, and I'm going to, just to help you, I'm going to aim to be about 20 minutes today. I know, surprising, isn't it? Look at you all, surprised. <laughs> you're getting a bargain if you don't normally come, just to let you know. Can't promise it'll be 20, but I, you know. For about 20 minutes, I want to try and show you why being a Christian is really good news. That's what I want to try and show you. And if you're not a Christian, I hope this will help you maybe just to understand a little bit more about what your friend is doing as they get baptized. If you are a Christian, I want to show you why being a Christian is really good news. And it may be that you've heard this before, and it has been said that sometimes my talks are repetitive and I say the same thing over and over. Uh, that was my son, by the way, one of my sons. But the reason we do that is because actually we need to keep being reminded that it's good news. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to a random part of the Bible that my guess is most of us haven't read before. It's in Malachi um, chapter 3. It's the very end of the Old Testament. There's Bibles at the back if you want to grab one. It's also going to be on the screen so you can see it. It's really important you see these words because I want you to, I just want to show you what the Bible says. Who cares what I think? I want to show you what the Bible says. So either have it on your phone or on a Bible or follow it on the screens. And this is Malachi chapter 3 and verse 13. You have spoken arrogantly against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said it is futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly evildoers prosper, and even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other. And the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them. Just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Between those who serve God and those who do not. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and evildoer will be stubble. And that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root, a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, 
the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. And you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Then you will trample on the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of their parents to their children and the hearts of the children to the parents or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. I mean, what a week it's been, hasn't it? Who would have guessed last Sunday that we would be standing here today with a king and not a queen? What a crazy week it's been. I think my favorite comment on social media was the guy who said, there's a bottle of, fridge, there's a bottle of milk in my fridge that's been through two monarchs, two prime ministers, and four Premier League managers. And... Um, And the thing I like about that comment, there's a bottle of milk in my fridge. The thing I like about that comment is it's something so ordinary, juxtaposed against something so monumental and historic. And the two together just seem so bizarre and hilarious. But it has been quite a week. I don't know how you reacted when you heard the news on Thursday. I was sitting in a meeting and it came up on my phone. I know I shouldn't have been looking at my phone. I was. And it shocked me. Isn't that funny? She's a 96-year-old lady and yet I was shocked that she died. Isn't that odd? And yet it left me with a profound sense of loss. I don't think I'm a massive royalist. I, I, I don't think I go to the mall every every year and wave my flags. I'm not a... And yet I felt I'd lost something. My earliest memories of the Queen are Christmas Day messages. I don't know if you listened to the Christmas Day messages of the Queen. We did every year when I was a child. In fact, get this, we weren't allowed to open our presents till after the Queen had done her speech. Which means that as a kid, I was convinced that she spoke for at least an hour. (laughs) Genuinely, I remember sitting there thinking, she is going on a long time. (laughs) It was remarkable to me when I discovered that none of her speeches are ever more than eight minutes. (laughs) That can't be right. Surely back when I was a child, they were longer than that. And yet there's something about the Queen, wasn't there? Something about her constancy. And I guess what's happened this week is whatever we may believe about the royalty, whatever we might think about the monarchy, we have been confronted with profoundly weighty subjects. In some ways, we have been taken away from the trivial distractions that often occupy our lives, and instead we have been confronted with issues of life and death. We've been confronted with issues of power, of majesty, of kings and queens. And suddenly we found ourselves thinking about history and thinking about things that really matter. And so as I've thought about this this week, and as I've looked at this Bible passage, which we chose to preach on 
months ago, it seems highly relevant that we should be confronted today with a Bible passage which presents us with profound realities. You have to understand, the Bible won't entertain you with trivialities. If you want a TikTok moment of light relief, don't look at the Bible. If you want something that will distract you and fill your life with bunnies that can dance on a balloon, then don't look at the Bible. But if you want to be confronted with things that really matter, if you want to be confronted with realities that might change your eternity, then I, the Bible is exactly where we should look. That's what we're dealing with today. Massive issues. And one of the things that was said about the queen over and over again is that she lived her life well. It was a life well lived. And I guess there's something in all of us that says, I would love someone to say that about me. When I get to the end of my life, will mine have been a life well lived? Will I have made a difference? Will I have left a mark? And how does that even work? And how, how do I know? I imagine the queen will be remembered for quite a long time. I imagine her name will be remembered. Will mine? I think one of the sobering things that crossed my mind this week was that in the same minute that the queen died, we don't know exactly which minute it was, but whatever minute it was that the queen breathed her last, statistically, there was at least 120 other people in this world who that was also their final minute. 120 people die every single minute around our world. But that means that 119 of them are largely unknown. We only know her because she made a mark. Imagine I, could, imagine I told you this afternoon that it was possible for your name to be written down somewhere forever and ever. Imagine if I told you it was possible for your name, your identity, you, not in an abstract way, not in a sort of, oh yes, human race, but you, your life, all the things you have done. Imagine if it was possible for your name to be written down in a place where it would last forever. That would be quite something, wouldn't it? And yet that's exactly what we just read, Malachi chapter 3, is possible. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you two things. Two things which I hope will make you excited about being a Christian. If you're not a Christian, I hope it will show you why it's good. If you are a Christian, I hope it will show you why it's good. And the first thing I want to show you is a scroll of remembrance. A scroll of remembrance. So in Malachi chapter 3... We read about a group of people. This is in verse 16. It says, those who feared the Lord talked with each other. So there's a group of them who get together, and they're serious about God. They get together, they talk, and the Lord listened, and he heard. And look what it says next. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. So in this 
abstract little nation in the Middle East thousands of years ago, a place called Israel. There is a little group within that place who have a conversation and their names get written down in a scroll that God says, and I'm going to remember that forever. Wow. Wouldn't you love it if your name was in that scroll? God heard and saw, and their names were written down. And I think the thing that this, the reason this matters to us is because there's something about us that doesn't want our name to die out. We don't want our name to just disappear. Our names matter to us. We, we sort of want to be remembered. You know when you go to a, a, a party and there's a, a seating plan. And you have the awful moment as you look at the seating plan and all the names are there and you think, like we all think this, right, don't we? What, what, if, what if I've got it wrong? What if my name's not there? Because our names matter to us. Or graffiti, isn't it interesting that... If you ever do graffiti, which I'm, you know, I imagine most of us go out on Saturday nights and do a bit, don't we? Bit of graffiti here and there, you know. What is it that traditionally you do when you, you write your name? John T. was here. I'm quite, I'm quite with the kind of graffiti world, you know. You know, you put your tag. Ha, there you go. But you do something that makes your mark that you want it to last. And, and you can find these little bits of ancient graffiti. Alexandros was here. <laughs> because you sort of want to make your mark. It's, it's funny, isn't it? You don't write other people's name. You write your name. And imagine if your name, well, here's a scroll that God says, I want these names to be remembered forever. And look what he says about these names that get written on this scroll. Look what he says in verse 17. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they, these names on this scroll, will be my treasured possession. <laughs> I will spare them, just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. God says this names, anyone whose name is on this scroll, is my treasured possession. Look, if God, the creator, calls you his treasured possession, that has got to be good, hasn't it? He treasures you. I have a whole bunch of possessions. I do not treasure all of them. Some of them I'm quite casual with. You know, oh, fine, that got broken, never mind. But some things are precious to me. They are treasured. I look after them. I look for them. I seek them. When they're not there, I go to find them. And God says, you, the names in this book will be my treasured possession. I'll spare them. Don't you wish your name's on that scroll? So here's the question then, how do you get your name on the scroll? That's got to be the question, right? Who gets their name written on this scroll? Well, verse 18 says, you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Okay, so 
that means the one whose names get written on the scroll are the righteous. And the ones whose names are not written on the scroll are the wicked. All right. Now we've got a problem. Because what does it mean to be righteous? In fact, Serena helpfully said this. To be righteous is not to be a 80% student. To be righteous is to be perfect. To, right, to be righteous is to mean that you have done nothing wrong, that you've never said or thought or done anything wrong. That's what it means to be righteous. That's who God says gets their name written on the scroll. So let's have a show of hands. How many people here are confident that their name would be written on a scroll if the scroll and the, the, the standard to get your name on the scroll was that you were righteous? That is perfect. Never done anything wrong. Anyone here confident that their name is on the scroll? No, didn't think so. Well, that's a bit of a bummer, isn't it, right? So now we've got a scroll where the names on the scroll are going to be God's righteous possession. Hooray! But no one's on it. In fact, in, later on in the Bible, I guess it is very clearly stated, there is no one righteous, not even one. That's Romans chapter 3. No one. And yet there are some names on this scroll. So who are they? Okay, stick with this, right? This is where it gets good, right? You've got to see this. There is a way to be righteous even when you have been unrighteous. That's what you've got to understand. How? How do you pull that off? Well, what are we told about these people? What is it that they did that made them righteous? It's not that they'd been good. It's not that they'd kept all the rules. It's not that they were perfect. Look what it says they did. They feared the Lord. They feared the Lord. Okay, well, hang on. So what's, what does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. This book of Malachi, if you've been here for the last six weeks, um, which some of you haven't, but if you had, you'd know that in this book of Malachi, God has been accusing his people. <laughs> he said to them, I've got, he's got six accusations. He says, you've done all this stuff. You've doubted my goodness. You've been half-hearted in your worship. You've been unfaithful. You've been arrogant. You've been unjust. You've been uh, selfish, not being generous. God has said, you've done this, 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 and this. Now, the question is, when someone tells you you've done wrong, how are you going to respond to it? I don't like being told I'm wrong, particularly when I'm driving. I don't like to be told that I'm too close to the person in front or that I'm in the wrong lane. In fact, tragically, it makes me more stubborn. If this happened the other night, okay, public confession time, we were driving somewhere across London, it's a ridiculous thing to do, and we were running a little bit late, and we pulled up some traffic lights, and someone in the car who was sitting near me <laughs> said, uh, if you go in that lane, we could get over the lights. I didn't. Why didn't I move? I, d I didn't want that. So I sat in this lane, and we didn't get over the lines. Can I say she was very gracious? She just sat quietly and didn't say a thing. I reflected on how stubborn and arrogant I am. But isn't that how often we are? 
God shows us that we're wrong. You've done this wrong. And we minimize it and we trivialize it and we make excuses for it. And it's like water off a duck's back. And so when God speaks to you and you don't listen to him, when God speaks to you and it just kind of washes over you, you know water off a duck's back, right? You've all, I don't know if you've seen that. I mean, I don't know if you do see that. But, you know, you, there's the duck and there's water and it doesn't stay on its back. It just goes off. it. The, the duck doesn't even notice. When it rains and I get wet, I notice. I get miserable. The duck doesn't. Water off a duck's back. And for many of us, God, I think I've made this point. For many of us, God, God's word can be like water off a duck's back. It, we hear it, but it doesn't, we just ignore it. God says to us, you're wrong, you've done wrong, you've been selfish, you, you don't love me, you don't love others. And, and he tells us we've done wrong and we don't listen to him and it's water off a duck's back. But these guys, they do listen, they fear him, that's what it means. I spent a long time this week, genuinely spent quite a while this week, trying to think of the opposite of water off a duck's back. Not as easy as it sounds. I tried sand in, like sand in Vaseline. That wasn't a good image. I didn't, I didn't, that didn't really help. didn't take me anywhere. But I guess it's like weights on a power lifter as opposed to water off a duck's back. That is, the, the, the power lifter bears the weight. They take seriously the weight. They, they, they feel the weight of what is being said. That's what it means to fear God. When God tells you that you've done something wrong, when God says you don't love me, you've ignored me, you act like I don't even exist, if we just go, then we are not those who fear God. But when we say, God, I'm sorry, when we take it seriously, when God's word falls heavily upon us, when we fear him, we say, God, I'm wrong. God says, I forgive you. I love you. I'll make you righteous. This is what makes God so awesome, right? This is what makes God so wonderful. God takes us with all our failure, but when we will just listen to him and fear him and say sorry to him, he says, I'll write your name. And so these guys, they were not the good ones. They were not the ones who were better than everyone else. They were just the ones who took God seriously, listened to his word, and so their name was written in his scroll. And you may say, well, how do we know that this scroll is anything to do with us? Well, Jesus, um, when he came, Jesus speaks um, in, in Luke chapter 10. Don't worry about turning to it, but just listen to what he says. He says to his disciples, don't rejoice in all this stuff you're doing. Rejoice, your names are written in heaven. Your names are written in heaven. God has a scroll of remembrance for all of the righteous. Who are the righteous? Not the good ones, but the ones who fear God. The ones who listen to what God says. The ones who take God seriously. The ones who bear the weight and say, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. There's a scroll. And everyone in this room will either be someone whose God wor God's word is like water off a duck's back, or you feel the weight, and you say sorry. There's a second thing. Oh, man, this 20 minutes is turning a little bit longer. Than come on, come on, let's go. The second thing, scroll. Remember the scroll, the scroll with the names in it. The second thing is a day coming. There's a day coming 
an incredible day coming. Chapter 4, verse 1, surely the day is coming. And this day, it's a future day, a day when God will act. And it will be a day when all those who have ignored him will be removed. All those who have ignored God will be punished. You see, the arrogant and the evildoers, they will be removed. Those who try to make a name for themselves, who try to make a name, say, I'm never going to be forgotten. Look at me, I'm strong, I'm impressive. Those who've lived for themselves, they will be forgotten. Their names will be forgotten forever. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. It's a serious warning. It's a profound warning for those who would choose to ignore God. There is a day coming of punishment. But look, what about those whose names are in the scroll? Look. But for you who revere my name, there it is again, you who fear me, you who take me seriously, you who listen to me, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. What a phrase. (laughs) A sunrise. A day is coming. This world sucks. This world is a world of death and suffering. It's a world of sorrow. Yes, we can distract ourselves with bunnies dancing on balloons, but you cannot escape the reality of suffering and death. It's a world of war. It's a world of famine. It's a world of poverty and suffering. It's a world of struggle. But you wait till the sun rises. There's a day coming, God says, when the sun will rise to a whole new dawn. A son of righteousness. That is a son whose rays, the kind of the wings that come from the sun, don't just bring warmth, but they bring righteousness. Everything they take. So like um, in The Lion King, when, um, oh no, when Mufasa says to Simba, everything the light touches will be yours. Which is as if God says, everything the light touches won't just be yours, it will be made right. Everything will be made right. There's a day coming when God is going to put everything right. When God is going to fix all that is wrong. When death will be no more. There's a day coming when all will be healed. And you will go out and frolic like a well-fed calf. Have you ever seen a well-fed calf frolicking? Have you? No, but you can imagine it, can't you? It's one of those phrases you go, I've never seen that, but I know what you mean. (laughs) Can I say, and I want to say this respectfully, but I believe that our queen believed this message. I believe she knew this Jesus, this God. I believe she was someone who did fear God. She was someone who took God's word seriously. I think there's been lots of evidence in some of the things that she said and lots of the ways that she's acted. But in eternity, she won't be a queen. She'll be our sister. She'll be another name in the scroll, alongside yours. And one day our queen will frolic like a well-fed calf. 
And if that image doesn't make you feel happy, I don't know what will. <laughs> but it's a picture of the freedom. It talks about then trampling on the wicked. And we go, oh, that doesn't sound very nice. You know, it doesn't sound nice if you're comfortable like we are. But if you've been oppressed and you've been suffering at the hand of injustice and you've got armies beating you down, for God to say, you are going to rise. This, your name is written in my book and the son of righteousness will rise and you will defeat the wicked. You will rule over them. You have a glorious future ahead of you if your name is written in that scroll. There is a stunning day coming. There's a scroll and a day. And then there's this really weird ending to the book of Malachi, and this is where we're going to finish. God says, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to the parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Elijah, what's he got to do with it? Why is he going to send Elijah? But that's how the Old Testament ends. This great promise of a future day, you've got to wait for Elijah. Elijah's coming. And then you flick over the pages into the New Testament, and suddenly you discover that this bloke turns up. He's called John the Baptist, which is disappointing because it would have been nice if he'd called Elijah, right? But John the Baptist, Jesus says that this guy, John the Baptist, he comes as the Elijah and the spirit of Elijah to turn people back to God and to prepare the way for the great day of the Lord. And, you, and then you watch and you see Jesus and it's all so beautiful in Jesus because what Jesus comes to do, Jesus comes to be that son of righteousness. And so, yes, there is a future day coming when God will heal and will bring all things right, but he's already done the most important part. He's already sent his son of righteousness. You see, Jesus came so that all of your unrighteousness could be forgiven. Because if you are vaguely awake, you may say, how can God just ignore wickedness just because people take him seriously? Well, the answer is because Jesus is the one who deals with it. And so Jesus comes into this world, and God says to you this afternoon, if you will take my son seriously, if you will take Jesus seriously, if you will accept what he's done for you, if you will love him and follow him and listen to him, if you will say sorry for the ways that you have lived, your name will be written on God's scroll. Jesus will be the one who forgives you and restores you and gives you righteousness. Jesus will be the one who makes you one of God's people. And then the final day will come and the son of righteousness will rise and you will frolic. <laughs> That's the promise. And if you find yourself today feeling like life is tough, it is, isn't it? It's hard. But if your name's written on the scroll, you have an amazing day coming. Trust it. Look for it. Live for it. Well, we're going to finish. Um, and we're going to baptize some people, um, which is super exciting. But we're going to pray. Um, and I guess my question for you this afternoon is a simple one. 
Is your name written on that scroll? Is your name written in God's book? I'm not asking, are you good? I'm asking, have you taken him seriously? Have you listened to him? Have you said sorry? Have you turned to Jesus, his son? Because if your name is written, we have a wonderful hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this, um, this part of your word. Thank you that you're a God who doesn't ignore us or forget us or it will wipe us out or scribble our names out, but you're the God who writes our names in your book forever. Father, please help us to take you seriously. Help us not to ignore you. And thank you that there is a great day coming, a day when the sun will rise and all whose names are written in that book will dance for joy in your presence. Lord, we long for that day and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.